Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from Panama City Beach in Florida. You know, this beach area here is one of the most beautiful in the United States on the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, the state park around here, St. Andrews State Park, also almost always voted one of America's top 10 beaches. They got hit pretty hard last year by the hurricane, but guess what? They've recovered, they're back and ready for business, and we came back down to check it out and found that to be so. My next guest, I actually saw him last year, right before the, the storm named after him. <laughs> not really. Uh, not really. Not really. But it was Hurricane Michael, and joining me now is the mayor of Panama City Beach, Florida, Mike Thomas. How are you, sir? I am wonderful. Good morning. Recovering. We are recovering. The beach, uh, Panama City Beach, is recovered. The rest of Bay County is still struggling. It is. I mean, the storm moved in in an interesting way when it came in, didn't it? Because... uh, the, the reports that we first got was that you know were that Panama City Beach was destroyed. It was really Mexico Beach that got hit hard. Well, all of Panama City and Panama City Beach is right. what, but it missed us. It took a sharp right, and we are very thankful. The good Lord blessed us. And yet, if you go not too far from here into downtown, you're still going to see damage. 
10 miles away, there's still as much damage as we've ever had in any future storm. This was a bad one. So you're a former volunteer firefighter? I am. And me, I'm a current volunteer firefighter. We're all out there, right? I mean, everybody got pressed into action on this one. Yes, I've, uh, I've got a son that's a fireman still, and every person that worked for any service in Bay County in Florida was here. We had people from Oregon. Every state in the Union was here. And yet, as much as you want to prepare for something like that, you're, you're, you're never really prepared. You can, I think our governor did a great job. When the storm was over, there were people flowing in here that he had staged everywhere. But to, they couldn't have been here. You can't be ready for this. And you had a mass evacuation. Yes. And it was a mandatory evacuation. It was a mandatory evacuation. It didn't work very good, but that's another story. I got gotcha. you. And how's the diner? The, oh, I'm doing work great. My restaurants are good. I didn't have enough to even cover my deductible. I was sort of disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and we should all be that lucky. What are you that's talking about? Right. I tell you, we have been fortunate. I mean, I, I lost my house in the earthquake in 1994 in Los Angeles, um, and it had to be bulldozed. And in those days, you could actually have insurance that would cover that. After that incident, they rewrote the policies. The deductible was ridiculous. It, it, it was meaningless at that point. That's what's the deal now. The deductibles are high enough that if you don't get up in a lot of money, you don't do it good, but you better have it. And for a long period of time, many of your best friends became FEMA. That's right. They moved in. That's right. They did, and, and a lot of the aid, the biggest aid we got was from uh, church groups and, and volunteer groups. We had thousands and thousands of people working. You know, there's a lot to be said. I've seen this happen before in earthquakes in Japan um, where the government didn't respond as fast as the private sector, and it didn't, it didn't respond as fast as, as the faith-based group. That's true. The, the faith-based groups here showed off. They really did a magnificent job. We're talking one giant bake sale. That's right. <laughs> but they were all involved. They were. So where are we right now? It's, you know, it's, it's March. It's 2019. You're a community that depends almost entirely in your economic base on, on tourism. Yes, yes. We've, we've, we're getting a little better. The uh, Economic Development Agency is bringing in some businesses and good businesses and uh, the St. Joe Company is moving forward with a lot of things. We have five hotels under construction in the city right now, plus a lot of apartments and condos and houses. Because the question I have to ask is, it's one thing to be able to look out the window here and see the beaches back, and that's really good news, but you can't sustain that if you don't have affordable housing for your employees, right? Well, the beach does not have much affordable housing. Uh, we depend on the surrounding communities and counties to furnish that. I mean, it, the property inside the city in, on this island is just too expensive for that. Exactly, but you're going to have to put them somewhere so they can actually come to work every day. Absolutely, but they have always stayed in outlying areas and moved in daily, and, right. that's, and that will work again. So the question is, are you, are you ready for, I don't want to use the words because you don't have it here, spring break? We do not have spring break. We have a spring vacation season. And it's underway now. We've got a car show coming up. We've got an unwind ceremony. We've got, we've got events every weekend to make sure people know that Panama City Beach is back better than ever and cleaner than ever. And, of course, there's Mike's Diner. There's a, well, it's, <laughs> I changed the name. It's Mike's Cafe and Oyster Bar. When did you change the name? Uh, before we had the one last year, uh, <laughs> before we had the interview. And it's working great. I've, 
everybody has to change or you die. And I'm not ready to die yet. I love it. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. always good to be back here and it's also good to be back here to see what's going on after the hurricane uh, after hurricane michael came in here last october and in fact right before that happened i was here uh, interviewing my next guest uh he's the fire chief of uh, of panama city beach larry couch how are you sir good morning peter i'm great i mean uh, th- there was that and there's now i mean i mean i know when we had you know hurricane sandy uh, my department we did mandatory evacuations. We knew it was going to be rough, and it was rough in New York, as you know. Uh, but it was one of the things, as much as we wanted to prepare for it, you can't prepare for everything. You, you can't prepare enough for an event like this. You know, we, we can always hope for um, the best and prepare for the worst. And, you know, the, the folks, we... we evacuated we we did everything by the book that we needed to do and And then you throw the book out and then we throw the book out yeah exactly i mean look you're on this department what since 87 yes so you've been here what 31 years 32 years 32 years years, yeah i mean so you've seen other storms right but nothing like this nothing like this uh during opal i was here um you know some of the other smaller storms that have come through and the devastation across the bridge in Panama City is nothing like I'd ever seen. You know, when I came in last night, I'm driving in from the airport, and I'm and I'm and everybody's saying, you know what? The beach is great; it's back. But if you just go over the bridge, everybody's saying, if you just go over the bridge, every other house is, has been hit. Yeah, it, it's like there was a line drawn in the sand. It, not pardon the pun, but there was a line drawn when you crossed that bridge. The devastation was all in Panama City. Our beaches, a little wind damage, a little bit of storm surge, and you know, other than that, we're fine. We're and yet, and not far from here, Mexico Beach, Mexico watch Beach. out. Beach. Yeah, we actually sent a uh, task force down there for 12 days, and we were their fire department. And You uh, had to be. We had to be. They, they lost their stations. They lost everything. And we were down there, you know, moving debris, doing everything we possibly could to help those folks. You know, one of the lessons of 9-11 was that how many different responding agencies couldn't talk to each other because they were on different frequencies. Have you figured that one out here? Yeah. In the state of Florida, we actually have a a band that everybody goes to. It's like a statewide mutual aid. So uh, when in doubt, just go to that frequency because everybody's going to be on it. Yes, correct. And we, we, um, we take it in segments. So people in Mexico Beach are on a frequency which we can monitor if they were in Panama City or Lynn Haven. We could, we could um, delineate those, those frequencies and listen to into each, each one of them. But at least in the beach area here, you lucked out. Oh, we were so lucky, so lucky. And, you know, I, the one thing I, I want to stress to folks that are out there listening, you know, come down and vacation with us because when you vacation with us, you're helping rebuild this entire county. You know, that sounds like some sort of a blatant promotion, but I'm going to put it in perspective. Mm-hmm. I have said this on this show for the last six years. 
one of the most responsible things you can do as a traveler, after a civil disturbance, after political unrest, after a natural disaster, is to not be a first responder, because you're not a first responder. You shouldn't go. There's nothing you can do. But weeks later, you do go. And just because you're there, first of all, you're going to a place that will be thrilled to see you, Mm -hmm. that you're going to get a better service, better deal, better experience, and you're hanging out with the people who live here, and you're helping their economy, which, by the way, is travel and tourism-based. Right, right. Yeah, the, uh, we're we're a tourist town, you know, Panama City Beach. We always have been, and we we always will be. But the whole county relies on our tax dollars to come from the tourism industry, you know, to fund the entire county. So when you bring your family and you you come and see the beach and how beautiful it is, and you stay, you're not only having a great time here, but you're also helping those across the bridge and those affected areas that, you know, rebuild. Because that'll be a slower rebuilding effort. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be years. But here, I mean, this is your bread and butter. It's back up and running. Yeah, we're back up and running. We're we're ready to go. Spring break has started. The northern kids are here. Not those northern kids. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We don't want any of those northern kids. (laughs) I'm one of those northern kids. (laughs) They're out walking around in shorts and 30-degree weather in the morning, so we know where they're from. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a beach day. Yeah, right. Listen, I spent five years in Madison, Wisconsin. When the the temperature drops to like 10 degrees in New York and I show up in shirt sleeves, people think I'm nuts. I'm like, no, this is summer, man. Come (laughs) on. (laughs) Right. What's the biggest challenge you've got now? The biggest challenge we have now is all of the um, the construction crews, the the, the laborers, the, the people that are coming in to help rebuild, having places for them to stay. Exactly. And, you know, their commute into town, into Panama City and Lynn Haven, all across the bridge to help rebuild. The traffic has been, it was really bad for probably about a month. And then it started, you know, to, to lighten up as more things were rebuilt where they could stay over in town. What lessons did you learn in terms of firefighting and safety from the hurricane that you're now incorporating into your next plan? Communications. Communications between all of our agencies. We lost everything. We lost our cell phones. We lost our landline. Our satellite phones wouldn't work. Obviously, our, our portable radios weren't working. You know, we, we have to have redundancies in those systems yeah, when it comes to these these bigger storms. Well, the one thing that hasn't changed is you still like you like you like to eat. Oh, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Very quickly, take me for breakfast. Where are we going? We're going to Mike's Diner, oh. and we're going to get a big plate. <laughs> My God, just let's see. Mike's Diner owned by maybe the mayor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, known him since I was a kid. But I will tell you, when you go there to eat, you will not leave hungry. And by the way, this is radio, but I can tell you. The chief likes to eat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm the stout little guy. <laughs> Lunch? Lunch, we're going to, you know, probably go to a Salty Sue's. Great barbecue place. Um, you know, they, they're, home, they're hometown folks and a uh, great place to eat. And dinner? Dinner, you know, it's kind of a toss-up. You know, there's a lot of great restaurants here. you got Runaway Island. You've got um, Captain Anderson's, you know, but, you know. Just about anywhere, I can take you and we'll find Last something. night I had dinner at the Grand Marlin. Great place. Barbecue oysters, home yep. run. Absolutely. Home Absolutely. run. Absolutely. From one fireman to another, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to eat. Should there be a rapid change in cabin pressure, oxygen masks will automatically drop from the compartment above your seat, free of charge. 
and to start the flow of oxygen, pay your flight attendant $75.63. Joining me now, he's only been here for like five decades. Yeah. Right? Yes, that's right. He's the anchor for Channel 7 right here in Panama City Beach. Paris Janice, how are you, sir? All right, Peter. Thanks for having me out. i got to tell you, I got my cat from the Humane Society of Bay County. And I did not know that before right, you said that. And, and he's, he's a nut, but <laughs> same thing. You go in there, you're going to take an animal home. You are. It's yeah. true. Yep. Do you know in, 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 uh, in Aspen, they have a program with the Humane Society there that if you're visiting Aspen, they'll loan you an animal for the day. Well, guess what happens? You know? uh, yeah. So how many did you get from Aspen? Well, no, they're too. You know, when Aspen, they, when they have a sale, they reduce they reduce things to retail. We don't go there. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Now, right. let's let's back up for a second because you had sure. the, the the benefit of perspective and context here. You've been here for how many years on the air? Uh, I've been on the air forty years. Wow. So they haven't found out. No, they haven't. In the ephemeral nature of television, <laughs> you in dog years, you're dead. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I call it a life sentence, Peter. But yeah, but willingly. Right. Exactly. So you've been through other storms here. I've been through. I, I, my family moved here in 1966, so I've been here since then. Um, the earliest storm I can remember was Camille. Wow. Yeah. And, of uh, course, Michael just was just about six months ago now. Exactly. And the thing is, no matter where you evacuated, it didn't matter because the storm decided to go in a direction that nobody planned. It did. Um, the unfortunate thing is every other storm that hit our area hit the beaches, and this storm decided to hit more to the east and hit the towns that were more inland, like Panama City, Lynn Haven, Springfield, Parker, and Mexico Beach. I mean, it, uh, Mexico Beach really got hammered. Really got hammered. But, you know, if there is a blessing in disguise here, and you always have to put that in, in proper perspective, when you have an economy that is so strongly based on travel and tourism, right. the fact that the beaches really weren't that badly hit here is, is a good thing. It's actually good news because a lot of the people on the other side of the bridge, the, this area is divided by a couple different bridges, but they, a lot of them work on the beach. They work in the restaurant or hotel industry or otherwise, and we need these jobs. There are a lot of businesses that had to just close down, Peter, uh, and uh, folks need work. And so that the beach is open and then it is an economic generator uh, for the whole area is going to help out the area. We're looking forward to a great spring and summer season on Panama City Beach. It's not difficult at a certain point to be able to connect the dots between the economic impact of travel and tourism and your survival. Correct. I mean, you know, it's not just an airline. It's the restaurant. It's the dry cleaner. Right. It's the, because everybody depends on it. it. And they do. And the good news is, like you're saying, if you were sitting on the beach right now and you look out your window, you're seeing emerald green waters and white sand. And it, the beach is beautiful. It looks great. There are very few signs right now, Peter, of hurricane damage on the beach as such. If folks want to come visit Panama City Beach, there's no reason for them not to. It is ready to go, and it looks great. But the good news is, and it's indirect, but it's still good news, is if you come here, the very fact that you're here and spending money is going to support the rebuilding efforts in the places that need it the yes, most. Yes, you are correct about that. And, and uh, a lot of businesses are getting opened uh, in Panama City proper and those other areas I mentioned. And a lot of those businesses get runoff business from the beach as well. So, yes, it is a definitely just to come here and stay here and visit as a tourist is going to be a big help for our recovery efforts. You know, I go back to Katrina, and I saw so many people who left New Orleans and didn't come back. That wasn't the case here. Uh, we have seen some of that. I don't believe that we know the full extent of it yet, um, but a lot of people are staying, and a lot of people, are, are they're, they're hard at work, Peter. I, I've seen people, they're not, they're not looking for help so much as they just want to 
do what they can to get through this. And to some extent, that's a detriment because we need some outside help. There, you know, it has to come from somewhere. But folks have knuckled down and they're building their houses and businesses back and they're doing the best they can. So it's just a, kind of the attitude of folks here in Northwest Florida. But the beach is back, the fishing's back. Right. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, the, one of the first things I had to do after the storm was find somewhere I could get some oysters. <laughs> I, was, I just I love the seafood here, Peter. I don't know if you had a chance. I had, I had oysters. I had barbecued oysters last uh, night. Oh, Unbelievable. Oh, oh, they were great. They, they were great. Uh, fried, raw, baked. Yeah. I, I don't care. Put them on the grill, char, groil them. There exactly. We have delicious seafood here. Uh, again, that's one of the first things I had to do after the storm, have a basket of fried shrimp. It made me feel normal. <laughs> I, I had to do it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go do it right after we leave with this. When in doubt, get the batter ready. There you go. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. So what's been the biggest surprise for you in the wake of the hurricane, Michael, uh, in terms of how things are coming back? I, I don't know if any surprises. Uh, I guess the biggest surprise to me was how long it's taking. You know, we're almost six months now. And my own home still hasn't been repaired. But I can live in it. I'm okay. There are plenty of people, though, that um, they just they don't have a home. They're living in tents. We still have, Peter, right now, people living in tents. And it's an unfortunate thing. But uh, how long it's taken, and I can't lay blame on anyone or any organization. Uh, we've had a lot of organizations come in from out of town and from all over the world, really, to help out. But... It just it takes a lot longer, folks, than you might realize after a disaster of this extent to make things come back. And it'll be a while. But Listen, my house was severely damaged in, in Hurricane Sandy. I live on an island in New York. year and a half for me to come back. Right. See, so it's, it's going to take us some time. But again, the people that But I live, didn't leave the island. Well, see, and that's uh, a lot of people here. The people that live here, they're committed to being here, Peter, and they want to make it back better than it was before. And you're committed to eating here, obviously. I, oh, man. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I love the seafood. It's great. That's be- one of the best reasons to come here beside the beautiful beach. It's All right, so since you've opened that door, where are you taking me for breakfast? Where would you like? To, what, what do you like for breakfast? Well, normally I'm not a big breakfast guy okay. unless, unless they do it really well. All right, well, there's a, I know a guy uh, that has Andy's Flower Power uh, on Thomas <laughs> Drive, and it was started by a Greek guy, and now it's run by an Italian guy, and so it's okay. It's all good. But what are they going to eat? What am I going to eat? Uh, they have the biggest French toast that you've ever <laughs> seen. Uh, if, if you like French toast, this guy, it looks like it's almost a whole loaf of bread. So basically you need to take a nap after breakfast. I would. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good idea. All right, and lunch? Well, well uh, for lunch you go any of the seafood places. I, I go. I mean, you could, you could just eat oysters for lunch, but we have plenty. There's a place called D's Hangout, uh, and on the beach he's got the best seafood around but there but you know his place multiply that times a bunch of other little places all around we got we have a, we have a large cajun and creole influence in our area too that you might not expect no i didn't expect florida it. Yeah. um but a lot of these places are real good too there you just look around there's little nooks and crannies all over the beach you can find a place to eat a great lunch and it won't it won't cost you a fortune either and somewhere on the beach i, I saw a karaoke place They've got a lot of karaoke places. <laughs> we, uh, we have quite a few. I try to avoid them because when I start singing, it empties them out, and it's bad for business. Yeah, I got it. I got <laughs> it. All right. Just don't sing my way. Okay. I don't want to. Please don't do that. Yesterday, or New York, New York. I cannot do it. Yesterday was my downfall by the Beatles. Yeah. Okay. No, not a good one. Okay. I'll, I've been warned. All right. And dinner? Well, on the beach, uh, Captain Anderson's, uh, great restaurant. Seafood, steaks, it's fantastic. Also owned by Greeks. It's good. 
What's, good. What's, your, what's your last? I'm I'm Greek, say, what's your last by name? By the way, uh, <laughs> and, we, and we have a great we have a great steak place. It's called Angelo's Steak Pit. It's it's also owned by Greek, so it's good. <laughs> owned by Greek. It's owned by Greek. Owned by Greek. Place. You want yeah. oysters? Go Greek. Go you want Greek. steak? You go yeah. Greek. You want shrimp in basket? You <laughs> yeah. go Greek. Yeah, but you know, again, we have a lot of influences. Uh, there's great Italian food, Asian cuisine. Owned by Greek. Owned, owned by Greek. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. You eat. You eat something. You know, most people say, don't eat too much. But, you know, Greek people say, eat something. You got to eat. You look skinny. Well, so, you, you look go. pretty skinny to me. But I still eat. Riding along in my automobile. My baby beside me at the wheel. Cruising and playing the radio. With no particular place to go. Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. Uh, my next guest was born and raised here. He's a local. Uh, he's been fishing here ever since... Since I could walk. There we yeah, go. I, 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 I wanted you to complete that <laughs> sentence. Say hi to Justin Leake. It's nice to be here, Peter. Great to see you, and I'm glad, glad you got to uh, set up in such a beautiful setting. We're looking over the Emerald Coast right now. We are. We are, but you're actually most of the time out there. That's you're, right. You're fishing in shallow water. That's correct. I see it more from the water looking back towards the beach. Um, I didn't realize it's just as beautiful sitting here on the beach looking out. You mean I got you off the water? <laughs> I got <laughs> you, you off the water to come do this Not show? for long. Not for long. <laughs> you're going back out. But let's talk about that because, you know, going from Hurricane Michael to today, um, depending on who you talk to, they're going to tell you the fish are back or they're different fish back. That's right. It, it definitely changes things. Um, you know, immediately after the storm, there was a lot of rain, a lot of dirty water. So immediately after just the weeks following, um, I would say the fishing was more difficult. There's a lot of debris in the water. It's hard to navigate. Um, those things are very short-lived. I'm talking just weeks. Yeah. Um, we were on the water just a few weeks after the hurricane, actually filming an episode for a TV show here. And the fishing was phenomenal. Um, so by then, and what were you catching? What were you catching? Uh, we were refishing for that show, um, and the refishing is typically going to be better after a hurricane. Catching what? Uh, red snapper, grouper, amberjacks, um, a lot of different snapper species, actually, uh, which is pretty typical. So of the fish were there. there. Oh yeah, As a matter of fact, more than before the hurricane. How'd that happen? Well, or why? A, a couple of different things happen. Uh, bait fish get moved around during the storm. Um, there's a lot of areas further offshore reefs that we don't, you know, it's just hard to access because it's a really long ways. Well, after the hurricane, a lot of those fish will move inshore because you have all this new bait showing up. Um, so it kind of just replenishes those reefs. And let's face it, after a situation like that, there weren't a lot of people out there fishing. And, and that's true. There's a, a huge reduction in pressure, and that would take uh, have more of an effect on the inshore stuff. Um, the inshore fishing is more of a closed circuit as far as the fish migrating and stuff. Um, and that's di directly related to the pressure uh, reduction after the storm. Now, people who come down to Panama City Beach, they know about the beaches. They know about the swimming. They know about the, the water. They don't know that much about the fishing. Well, I think a lot of uh, the Gulf Coast is kind of secretive as far as fishing goes. I think fishermen in general are secretive. And we just now... <laughs> well, we never want to tell you where we go. <laughs> that's right. So... We've always kind of uh, tried to kind of hide how good the fishing was here. Listen, when I was growing up, 
people thought I was nuts. I would wait till it rained, mm-hmm. right? And then everybody came in. And that's when I would just, I mean, I'd get out there, I'd be soaked. But I would just, and boom, I'd be hit and yeah. hit and hit. You know, well, you got to know when to go. That's right. And there is, there's so many parts to it. And that's one thing that I learned personally is as we started putting this stuff on TV and putting it out there for the world to see, was we can showcase all the different things there are to offer. I mean, the variety of fishing here from, from super shallow water red fishing to tarpon on the beaches to the great reef fishing, um, all those different things. I realized we can showcase this and show everyone. Can I just say something yeah, right ahead. here? I hate tarpon. <laughs> You hadn't seen our tarpon show. No, 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 no. You need to watch it. Wait, stop. (laughs) I hate them. You know why? First of all, I'm an East Coast guy. If I'm going to work that long for a fish, I want to eat it. You can't Ah. eat that, number one. Well, I love people like you. But wait. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Wait. And then all they want to do is destroy your gear. That's right. They just want to wrap it around a pole. Yep. Well, you got to have the best tackle there is. Yeah. And I'm glad that more people are like you and, and actually leave those fish alone so people like me get to go catch them. You can have all the tarpon you <laughs> well, thanks, want. I'll take that. <laughs> no, but it it's is true. neat. Um, you know, so we've filmed, I think, over 40 TV shows now right here, same location in Panama City Beach. And we're fishing for different stuff in every show. And, and until we started doing this, I didn't realize really, I mean, I took it for granted how much we have to offer as far as fishing goes. Um, you know, whether you're on all the year beach, round. year round. I mean, there is never a day that we can't go find something to catch. So on a day like today, we're in March. Yep. Where are we going? Red fishing. I was out there yesterday doing it. Actually, we refished first. We went and caught amberjacks, red snapper, stuff like that, and then stopped and caught redfish on the way home. Now, when you say we're refishing, explain what that. Okay, means. Okay, so reef fishing, we have a series of artificial and natural reefs, um, starting at about well, really in our starting in the bay. Um, there's some artificial reefs, but then once we get just a few miles off the beach here, you're in 70, 80 feet of water. And we have natural limestone reefs that have corals and stuff growing off of them. And then but we you're have not artificial bo- but you're reefs. Not, you're not bottom fishing. We're doing both. Um, so in the cooler months, we bottom fish more. Um, in the warmer months, we do a lot of uh, live chumming with pilchard, stuff like that, and bring those fish to the surface. So the reason I say reef fishing instead of a specific species is because there's a ton of different species on those reefs. So we're not targeting one specific species. We're actually just, uh, you know, bringing that life up to the surface and fishing for a variety of different snapper, grouper, king mackerels, amberjacks. Uh, king mackerels? Like, oh, tons of king mackerels here most of the year. Um, the coldest months, uh, we won't see them, but really from uh, the end of March, early April, they'll show up real good, and we can catch them till Christmas. And then, of course, there's the tarpon. That's right. <laughs> the hardest what to catch. You, what do you do with the tarpon? <laughs> Take pictures with them. <laughs> Video the jump. All right, so let's go back to this philosophy. If I'm going to work all the catch and release in lakes in Minnesota, I'll mm-hmm. leave that to somebody else. I mean, if I'm working that hard for the fish, I, I want to eat it. Well, I can agree with part of that. There's Unless it's an endangered species. Yeah, well, and I shouldn't be fishing for it anyway. That's right. Though. Well, tarpon are definitely not. matter of fact, the no, numbers I just hate them. Are, are, I just hate those fish. Very abundant. Um, they're very healthy populations. But the reason that we catch and release them, first off, they're really no food value. and As I said, I hate them. So tarpon are easy for me because they are not food value, ultimate game fish. That's kind of a no-brainer, catch sure. and release. Now, the reef fish, for the most part, are we're catching those for dinner. Exactly. Uh, they're great eating. You know, snapper and grouper, everybody knows the red snapper, especially here in Panama City Beach. I mean, this is like red snapper capital of the world. Um, so, I mean, and that's a food fish. So know. basically you go to any restaurant in Panama City and right. say, what's for dinner? Would it be them. red snapper? Probably. Yeah. 
Um, so that's a no-brainer. And then we do run into some of these fish that are kind of in the middle that are great game fish um, that are edible. Uh, but, you know, to us, we just try to look at what is the best value for that fish, uh, like the redfish, for example. We redfish um, in the bays and along the beaches. Those are shallow, those are shallow, shallow water. water fish, yeah. And that's an edible fish. Now, most of the guides around here choose to catch and release them just to help protect the numbers. So, okay, that's responsible. That's right. But so we're, look, I'm all in favor of responsible, <laughs> but at least if you have a choice yeah. and you work five hours to get it, yeah. come on. When was the last time you ate one? What? A redfish. Uh, you would not believe this, but it's probably been eight years. And that's just because I kind of took a stance to really you know, okay, help promote I, I, the catch and release. I respect that. Now, the reef fish, like the snapper, no. Yesterday. <laughs> if it's legal and I want to grill one that night, nothing wrong with it. Love right. to take them home and cook Let's them. talk about legal. I yeah. want to go, you know, on a boat today, yep. head out there and go fishing. Yep. What's my limit? Well, it depends on what the species is. Um, like the red snapper are closed right now. They have season dates. Uh, but we have vermilion snapper. We have red grouper. So like grouper, for example, the gag grouper is closed, but red is open. So it's like anything. It is a little complicated. But if you're on a charter or any for hire vessel, um, they're going to know those laws, and they're going to take you out there and put you on fish that you could keep if that's what you're you know, right. trying to do. But is there a limit to how many you can catch? Oh, yeah. Every different species has different number limits. No limit on tarpon? <laughs> yeah, the, the limit is zero year-round. <laughs> Man, I, I just, I'm just i fixated on that. But you to know me, what, it's you the know greatest what? thrill you know, in all of fishing. Well, you know what? There's a, there's a little restaurant down in the Keys called the Hungry, Hungry Tarpon. Yeah, and you go in the back, and they give you a, a bucket of bait fish. <laughs> I've you, been there. You, you know what you, you oh, know what yeah. I'm about to tell you, yeah. right? And you go out on the pier, and they say, "Okay, get down on your knees, and you just hold this little bait fish up, and oh my God, out of nowhere, tarpon jump up, <laughs> and they come up your arm. Oh yeah, they, I mean your arm they could can get take bloody. Skin back with oh, them. oh, oh no, yeah. they did with me. <laughs> oh my God, that, so that's I guess the first yeah. time I decided to hate the tarpon. That's right. Well, yeah. I can see you kind of got a bad uh, taste right there. But, I mean, to me, they are the only fish that I've ever seen that have so many emotions and attitudes. Explain. I can't, I can't wait to hear this. So we sight fish tarpon. I mean, you've seen the water out here is crystal clear. Um, but they fishing. swirl. They swirl. They swirl. Oh, yeah, they will. They'll come up and eat baits right off the surface. And so, so when the fish is rising up to your lure or fly or whatever it is, you can see the way that that fish actually looks at your fly. And a lot of times, after you spend enough time with them, you can tell what that fish is thinking. Sometimes they're just oh, mad at it well, and they're going to bite it because it. it's in you, their way. Wait, do you uh, actually believe that? If you talk to any professional tarpon angler, they would agree with me. And that's where they, they just captivate people. Um, they just there's, – there's nothing like it. I mean, I've – So you're playing mind games with the fish? Oh, yes. Very much so. And that's what tells me to speed up my retrieve, to slow it down, to pick up the fly and throw it to a different one because that one's obviously not going to bite. He knows. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Okay. I've, I'm willing to give it another shot. All right. Okay. It sounds like we have a fishing trip. You're going to have to get me back into this whole tarpon <laughs> mentality because right. I hate those fish. Okay. Well, I'll feed you some good fish first so that we kind of uh, well, cross that off, and then well, we'll go catch Feeding of the fish is the easy part, but yeah. you're not going to eat the tarpon anyway. There's nothing That's to right. eat, right? Yep. Entertainment. Has anybody ever eaten a tarpon? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they have. I haven't. It's illegal in Florida. Um, you can't possess them at all. So I couldn't tell you, you mean from what, personal experience. They're protected. They're yes, prote they are protected in Florida. Are they endangered? They're not at all. Okay. No, they're protected just because uh, you know we don't want to waste them. If it's a fish that is not good to eat, 
we don't want people to keep them just for a trophy. Um, you know, if you want a rep reproduction amount of it, you know, you can do that without harming the fish. Does taxidermy so, still oh, live? Yeah. Okay. Huge. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. I am a passenger. I judge so many destinations by the music, uh, by, you know, not just entertainment, by the music. And uh, my next guest has been here over 10 years. He's going to explain how he got here, why he stayed, and, right. and why he keeps staying. <laughs> uh, Barry Fish, welcome. Thank you. Nice to be with you. But you're not from here. I'm not from here, no. Grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, by way of many other places, Nashville, Memphis, finally here about 15 years ago. And but there was the Berry Fish Band. There was, and still is, uh, the Berry Fish but it's, Band. But it has a different incarnation. That, that's correct. Well, every year there's little pieces you can change, and intermittently <laughs> we change out a player here or there, you know. Right. So... But, I mean, there, there's being a house band, and then there's just being your brand. That's correct. Well, and, and what I do entertainment-wise has changed through the years here. When we first came down, it was to be the house band at a particular venue. And that, and that venue was called? That was called the Boatyard back in the day. Still around? It is a different a different name now, but the facility is still there. And what's it called now? Uh, now it's called Grand Marlin. Which is where I had dinner last night. It's a beautiful place, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. They, we, they even had live music last night. Where were you, Barry? Well, I, I, working somewhere else, I guess. You know. Uh, and then we went became the, the house band at Margaritaville for, uh, I think that was about a six-year run. And then maybe seven, eight years ago, then the climate really changed for the band situation. And that's what led me to the solo and duo thing that uh, that I do so often now. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. But, but you're staying here. Absolutely. Why? I mean, because here there's a premium on live entertainment. Uh, people expect it. Uh, just like you last night, uh, when people go into any venue... It's almost uncommon for there not to be someone playing or singing. Now, some, uh, in some cases, they're sitting. It's more of an ambient mood that they're doing. But right. they're, in, other, in other applications, they are... Participatory. <laughs> well, you nailed the word because if, if you really are entertaining them, you have them with you and they're singing along. Exactly. And how would you define your music? How would you describe it? My goodness. Uh, you know, it's such a broad stroke, and I, I, that sounds like uh, such an out, I know, you have to be so many different things to different people down here because there's a wide variety of people. And well, what do you want to be for me today? Uh, well, I mean, it could be anything from queen to uh, <laughs> to country. I mean, you know, uh, I've been working on a few of those things for you. So. Well, what do you want to play today? Uh, how about a little song that uh, that you were asking me about, songs that are representative of down here? Uh, how about a little bit of this one right here? Um, little Thomas Rhett. Baby, last night Know the best nights that I've had, no doubt. Between a bottle of wine, looking your eyes in the Marvin Gaye, and we danced in the dark into September stars, pouring rain. And I know you can't ever steal you enough. All I need in this life is your crazy love. If I never get to see the Northern Lights If I never get to see The Eiffel Tower at night Oh, if all I've got Is your hand in my hand Baby, I could die Oh, happy man 
a happy song. <laughs> yeah. And I think it does kind of embody uh, what's going on down here. People come down for that nice, good feeling, getting away from their normal life. And um, they want to be entertained, but they want to sing along and they want to just relax. And so Acoustic? I think, Yes, sir. Uh, it, it is amplified, of course. Of course. Uh, but, uh, but, yes, I have a partner who I play with probably 80 to 90% of the time, and we both uh, play the acoustic guitar and keep it real and live. Yeah. Is there a Panama City Beach sound? Well, I, I would say that it, if there is one, we're talking about it right now. The, the duos, the, the solos, the, the, the places that a band fits uh, – it's, it's only intermittent. It's here, it's there, it's on a weekend here and there. But on any given day for about uh, a seven-month period, you can walk into uh, any place and find uh, someone playing the acoustic guitar or maybe a duo playing the acoustic guitars and singing. All right, so stupid question of the day. <laughs> What's the most requested song you get? Uh, Come on, tell well, me. Well, it's not one. There's probably a list of about 15, uh, but I would say probably um, – Sweet Home Alabama might be there. Brown Eyed Girl was up there. Um, there's there, and when they get rolling on these, by the way, Peter, uh, they do not stop. You know, uh, the the Garth Brooks songs of the world. They want to hear a few of those. Any of them that they can sing. Uh, and there's one recently uh, called Wagon Wheel that, for whatever reason, every college kid and now every parent in the world wants to hear. And sing no, no, along no, no. To. Every college kid wants to hear it. Every parent doesn't. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Some of those college kids are now parents. So yeah, <laughs> I've watched the evolution. Okay, so Wagon Will we have to watch out for? Yeah, <laughs> indeed, indeed. And you can play it. Yeah, oh, oh, can I ever? Yeah, in fact, go, go, go ahead, right now. You've been warned. Yeah, this is the one. Barry Fish, while you're playing, thanks so much, man. And when you hear some other music coming in, that means we're out of time for this hour. Go, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So rock me, mama, like a wagon wheel. Rock me, mama, any way you feel. Hey, yeah, now mama, rock me. Well, now rock me, mama, like a wind. Hello and welcome to Alaska Flight 438. We'd like to tell you now about some important safety features of this aircraft. The most important safety feature we have aboard this plane is the flight attendants. Please look at one now. What's greatly surprising to so many people, especially even to me after all these years, is how many great state parks there are that don't get enough publicity that, by the way, become a hidden gem, which means it's accessible to you and you get to make great discoveries every time you travel without having to stand in line. And one of those right here is St. Andrews State Park right here in Panama City Beach. Joining me now from the state park, Leanne Hinson. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you. Good morning. Yeah. Now, this is a state park that's been around, what, since 1947? Yeah, quite some time. I know. What's special about this park? You know, we have some of the most beautiful beaches, being in the Florida Panhandle. Um, we offer camping. We've got a variety of activities. So you can come out. You can just walk on the beach. You can go fishing. Uh, we have a golf pier. Um, we have a boat launch area. So you can access the St. Andrews Bay on the other side. So that's kind of a unique feature about our park. And you're still more or less in the recovery phase from Hurricane Michael, but you're doing okay. 
We are. We're we're doing well um, as far as recovery from Hurricane Michael. Goes. I mean, you have 176 campsites of which you've opened up about almost nearly 50 of them. Almost, yes. Yeah. So we're getting there. You're getting there, and yet you're open. That's the good news. We are open, and we are happy about that. What was damaged? Well, there was a lot of tree damage uh, in our campground area. We had some of our pavilions at the jetties, which is one of our day-use areas, that uh, the pavilions themselves actually collapsed. We had a little bit of boardwalk damage that scattered throughout the park. Um, our lagoon pier also uh, was damaged. And then our campground probably took, um, you know, one, the biggest brunt of the storm because of its location along the bay. But the good news is you're open. We are open, and we've come so far since after the storm. Um, we were open within the first two weeks for a very limited recreational opportunity for our guests and visitors. Um, and every day gets a little bit better. Yeah, you can still go hiking. There are, there are nature hikes you have on a regularly scheduled basis. We do. So uh, every Wednesday we have uh, at 10 a.m. and then 2 p.m. we have a variety of educational programs. And as you mentioned, one of those is a, uh, is a, it's a nature hike. And part of every state park, which doesn't often get the, the proper recognition, is your education programs. Absolutely. So the Florida Park Service, we're storytellers. That's what we do. We interpret the resources that are there. We interpret the, the cultural significance. So we, we really look at ourselves as storytellers. We're telling the story of what happened here? Why is it important? What can you do? Shipwrecks? Shipwrecks, yes. So, uh, so I don't want to give too much away. Oh, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we did have um, Teddy the Hermit, as he's often referred to as a sailor, and he shipwrecked on the peninsula, and so he, uh, he spent his life out there. So we tell that story and that myth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's um, a few things here and there that are... Embellished, you know, perhaps, yeah, just a little I, bit, a little bit? I'm sure. Okay, fine. Here well, and there. And reptiles... And reptiles, of course. So, I mean, we're in Florida. Um, we have a lot of different snakes that are on the park um, that are in Florida in general, especially in the panhandle. And then alligators. That's, a, that's good enough for me. <laughs> You've been here about three years now. What's the biggest surprise for you about the state park? The biggest surprise, I would say, is that uh, how much our local community really loves the park. They really take that ownership. Um, and so it's a good surprise, you know. We see people in and out every day that we get to know on first name basis. And, um, you know, they're there. And that was one of the things, certainly after the storm, where if you went out in uniform, um, people were going, hey, how's the park? I can't wait to get back out there. You found out how much they missed it once the, once the hurricane came by. Absolutely. And for people who've never been here before, what's the biggest surprise for them when they first see it? Uh, I, the, I mean, the biggest surprise for them is just how beautiful our beaches are and how much the park has to offer. And uncrowded. Yes. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. We were just talking about the fifth most visited state park in the state of Florida. That's St. Andrews Park right here. And then 
We're going right to my next guest, who I saw last year. We talked about this uh, prior to the hurricane. Uh, Brian Robinson from uh, Divers Den. You dive it, man. Man, we do. And uh, thanks for having me, Peter. I appreciate that. So, you know, I was, you know, I went through Hurricane Sandy on the East Coast, and the entire underwater nature of the bay in which I live was changed. There was an inlet form that wasn't there before. The ocean breached the island. In one way, the the water got got cleaner in the bay. That was the good news, right? Because it, it flowed differently. But at the same time, it ate all the eelgrass on the, on, on the floor, so the, so the clams had nowhere to hide from the crabs. <laughs> and next thing you know, there are no clams left. We have to go back and everybody has to go back and reseed. I mean, you realize the cycle of nature when something like this happens. Yeah. What do you see underwater? So the, the good news about Panama City Beach is we're so diverse with uh, the amount of uh, underwater life, uh, shipwrecks, uh, the shore diving that's available at St. Andrew State Park that you had uh, mentioned. Um, so sometimes when something changes, like State Park may have a little bit of silt going on there right now, there's always something else to do. And uh, we still have our shipwrecks here. Uh, a little bit of change has happened on those since the storm. Uh, but they're, they're still amazing to see. The fish life is amazing. Well, there's more of it now. There is. Tell yeah. me what's come back. All right. So uh, we've actually had, you mean as far as fish goes? Yeah. 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 So we've, we've had a lot of fish come into the area that... Um, uh, that we've seen before, but uh, it's brought in grouper, snapper, um, flounder, you know, even this time of year, uh, we're seeing just a tremendous amount of fish here uh, to go after. And that wasn't the case before? Uh, That's correct. That's a good thing. Yeah, that's right. What about the wreck diving itself? You say it's changed a little bit. It's become more challenging? A little bit. Uh, So some of our bridge spans that we've had uh, have uh, collapsed a little bit and uh, shifted um, what they what used to look like, but uh, we have a lot of positive things coming, like the new shipwreck coming. Now, what's in. that? What, what do you mean by a new shipwreck? We have did got, somebody make a big mistake? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got uh, the El Dorado that's got a pretty cool story. It was a casino boat that actually washed up on shore right here, not far from the college. At during during the hurricane. That's right. Yep. So what the, kind of what kind of ship? It's uh, well, they ran it as a was a, it a paddle wheeler. Uh, it was not a paddle wheeler. So. Uh, the El Dorado is the name. Um, there's a lot more history on that. That boat uh, hung out here in Panama City for a while, and after it washed up, the owner decided to donate it uh, to be able to be sunk as a reef. Wow. So, so they've already recovered it. And it was a gambling ship. That's correct. Yeah. So have they, have they taken the machines off? Yeah. Uh, we'll have to go check that. Underwater slots, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to go dive it and make sure that there's not anything left behind that's worth something. So when are they going to sink it? Uh, it's, it's coming up soon. Um, that's a, a bad pun. Yeah. It's not coming up soon. It's going down soon. It's going down soon. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, they're going to be sinking it out by the DuPont bridge span, most likely, uh, the third DuPont bridge span. So explain that how that happens, because I've seen a number of these happen around, even where I live, where, you know, they basically load it down with ballast and then pull the plugs and right. down they go. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're basically going to flood the boat. Uh, so to speak, and uh, they'll have it anchored up. Uh, there'll be uh, operations. Obviously, and, there's an environmental impact report that's got to be done first. Yeah, and that's they, what they're doing. Now. All the toxic stuff has to come out of it. That's correct. Yeah, they'll make sure it's safe for the environment. Once that gets checked off, uh, they'll tow it out there, and then uh, they will sink the vessel after uh, mooring it up the way that they want it to sink. And uh, now you have to sink it strategically because <laughs> if you don't put it in the right place, it's not going to do what you want it to do. That's right. So, yeah. what, so where specifically are you going to sink it? It's specifically going to be out by the DuPont bridge span in about 90 foot of water, give or take. So, diveable. That's correct. Yep. Advanced open water divers are going to love going out to dive that shipwreck. Uh, we're really looking forward to, uh, to taking people out there. 
Now, you know what you ought to do? You ought to put some, make it an underwater scavenger hunt. Put certain things on that ship before you sink it and have people try to find them. That's a good idea. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. We have to, we'll have to think about that. I was recently on the island of St. Helena in, uh, in the middle of the South Atlantic Ocean and went to somebody's house, and hanging on his porch was a huge ship's bell from the Southern Cross. I went, wait a minute, I know that ship. And it, it's, a, it's a ship that sank, but he got the bell off before it went down. Wow. And it was a ship built in 1954 uh, in Scotland and ended up going to Australia and ended up sailing out of Los Angeles for Mexico and then out of Florida for the Bahamas. And, there, and of all places in the middle of St. Helena, in this island in the middle of the South Atlantic, there's that bell. So I'm telling you, scavenger hunt, man. That sounds like a good idea. Um, we have in Panama City Beach uh, a lot of stories like that, too. Uh, we have the SS Tarpon that sunk in the 30s. Uh, for years, you could still find things that it was carrying, like beer bottles, uh, things like that that was really neat to see. Uh, but we've got Navy minesweepers. Um, we've got uh, hovercrafts. We've got F-101 voodoo planes. The list goes on and on. So, never going to run out of stuff down there. That's right. Always something to see. Cool, cool, cool. Brian Robinson from Diver's Den. I'm glad you guys are back out diving again. Yes, sir. We're looking forward to a great summer. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.